Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant. Joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. We are also joined by our good friends, Scotty and Sandra Rollett. That's Sandra with an O. <laughs> good evening. Hey, y'all. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to www.rebelalliancemedia.com. You can also follow us on social media. You can subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher to get all of our latest episodes. We have two other podcasts in the network. One that is for families slash kids that we record with our kids. It's called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. That comes out on Wednesdays. And then P. Nate and Vanilla X record the Rebel Podcast, and that comes out on Wednesdays. The website has blogs and other resources as well, so go check it out. There's all kinds of new stuff going up almost every day of the week, so go check it out. The Rebels are doing a series right now on the parables, and they are just knocking it out of the park. I have always struggled reading the parables and rightly understanding them. I'm not going to lie. It's because we grew up in dispensational churches. And that is that is a fact. And listening to them, though, it really is helpful. Sandra and I were saying how every week we listen, we just feel dumber. Not because they don't teach us, you know, scriptural truths, but it just shows us how dumb we are. It's so true. Every time I'm just like, how am I even a Christian? And I don't know this. <laughs> I'm not even saved. <laughs> I'll yeah. go get baptized again. <laughs> no, you're Presbyterian. It's okay. One baptism. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I gotta say, this uh, that whole series has definitely uh, ruined me on uh, parables and how I grew up with uh, listening to them and, and reading them. But when they share the views that are popular views, are those what you were taught growing up? Yes. 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 Yeah, us too. Same. <laughs> We're like, oh, that's what we were told all growing up. So way to go, Nate and Pootie. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're doing a great job. Yeah, definitely hitting the nail on the head. Just want, our, want all of our listeners to know. Be on the lookout. Today, actually just a few hours earlier, Sandra and I submitted our final draft of our family worship advent to Ben. Ben is our editor, so he's going to do all kinds of magical things with that. With the technologies. With the technologies. I don't know. What do you call that? It's not a manuscript. What do you call that? Our draft? It is kind of a manuscript. It's a digital manuscript. Okay. He's going to do stuff and things. Yeah. And you guys can look with bated breath. Eagerly awaiting November 27th, I think this is the first date that we're going to start doing our Advent. And it will be up on the blog. It will be shared on social media. Social media. It will be stinking awesome. So keep an eye out for that. Yep. And we'll keep talking about it too. You're going to be sick of us. Yep. Give you more details about it. So tonight starts a new series. We are going to walk through Lewis Burkhoff's Manual of Christian Doctrine. And we understand that listening to lectures of a systematic theology class might be quite cumbersome. And that reading through a... It's a nice way of saying it. 
Yeah. And reading through a thousand page systematic theology book might as well be, or more so cumbersome. We wanted to do something that would hopefully be helpful for the everyday Christian to get a basic understanding of Christian doctrine with the help of our friend and fellow Dutchman, Louis Burkhoff. Yeah. And we were going to go through the study with the Rowlets um, as a side note. Yeah. And we were when we were deciding what we should do next on the podcast, we thought, why don't we just record our let's conversations? Just, let's just merge the two things together. Yeah. Save some time. Two birds with one stone. Yeah. So that's why the Rowlets were invited to come on, and they're going to help talk through the manual of Christian doctrine with us. Yep. So hope you enjoy. So, Scott Word. Yes. Who is Louis Burkhoff? Who is this I know man? our listeners, are they probably have heard of him before. Why don't you just refresh their memory? Okay. Uh, Louis Burkhoff was born in October 1873 in Emmen, Netherlands. Where Where was that uh, again? He was where, where was that again? Emmen, Netherlands. Netherlands. He's Dutch. Okay, go on. <laughs> Grant was just basically trying to point out that he's Dutch. Yeah. Ah, yes. So uh, he was an American Dutch Reformed theologian whose work on systematic theology has been influential in seminaries and Bible colleges in the United States, Canada, Korea, and with individual Christians in general throughout the 20th century. His education includes Calvin Theological Seminary, yeah. Princeton Theological Seminary, and Princeton University. Some other books that he's kind of accredited for that he's written is Summary of Christian Doctrine and Systematic Theology and the history of Christian doctrines as well that have been used uh, pretty extensively in theological seminaries. Awesome. So what you're saying is this guy's kind of qualified. He's got a pretty big repertoire. Did it say where he's taught or if he yeah, was I a professor? I didn't actually get into He's taught on the Awakening Reformation podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Through the he was a notable, media. he was an honorary. That should qualify him enough. From the grave. True story. So we're going to just get through the introduction. And before we get started, we are not going to go through this extensively. No. This is going to be very abbreviated. Um, for those of you who want to study these more thoroughly, get yourself your own manual of Christian doctrine. It is free online in PDF form. Yeah. In paper form, we got it for $3.99, free shipping on eBay. Yeah, they're really cheap if you get a used copy, and they're extremely helpful, Yeah, especially if you are interested in getting in the weeds, so to speak, of all of these doctrines. So we're going to kind of skim the surface. We're going to kind of just try and get the majority of the meat off the bones, but not try and get too deep. Once again, this is going to be very abbreviated. Tonight, we're going to do... The introduction, which is going to cover religion. Let's do it. All right. Religion is a universal phenomena. So man has been described as incurably religious. I like that Burkhoff starts off with this before he even gets into God revealing himself to us. It's kind of the framework and foundation for any kind of belief outside of our physical world. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we see this in every people group across the world. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Abolition of Man that documents some of this. No matter where you go, there is some sort of religious practices that are beliefs in the supernatural, beliefs in a deity or some kind of higher being or powerful being that is outside of the physical world around them. Mm -hmm. And so, like he said, this is a phenomenon that you can't quite put your finger on, except for just that everyone seems to have some kind of religion. I think that Nate and Pudi were talking about Rush Juni, I think not this yeah. last podcast, but the one prior, 
where they talked about basically the myth of neutrality, you know, that everything right. is religious in nature, that everything is preaching some type of religious gospel. It's going to either be on one side or the other, but yeah. but there is nothing neutral. No, and religion would be one of those inescapable facts. Mm-hmm. That Rush Juni talks about. What is religion? We're talking about religion. What What is religion? How would we define religion? He would define religion as, as such. Religion is concerned with man's relation to God, and man has no right to determine the nature of this relation. It is God's prerogative to specify how man should relate to him. So how would you guys, how would you put that into your own words? Saying that we have no right to determine the nature uh, of this relationship, basically saying that we are reliant on on God and on the Bible to define that relationship because we don't have the ability to define that ourselves. I think it talks about kind of the incomprehensibility of God and I know that's another big word. Another big word. <laughs> <laughs> and and Boving talks about that at the beginning of his Doctrine of God book, and just that because of who God is and us being finite creatures, we cannot understand him fully. And so he has to reveal himself. He has to give us some sort of picture. And we're going to get into this with Revelation, but mm-hmm. he, he, just like what you said, Scott, he's got to set the terms and he's got to do something to initiate that relationship. Also with that, when he goes through and actually breaks down the Latin meaning of the word religion, I, I'm not a, a Latin speaker, so I'm probably butchering it, but and you're from uh, Tennessee. the meaning is uh, <laughs> to reread, to repeat, to observe carefully, even within the meaning of the word and the breakdown of it is basically to continue to strive to understand that relationship and to observe it more carefully, basically <laughs> to always work towards that relationship. Yeah, and that can be applied to every religion, everywhere you see people doing this. Again, this is a universal thing that we see all over. People are doing pilgrimages, they're doing prayers they're well even even atheists who would say they don't ascribe to a religion still are holding to a form of religion because instead of heralding like a creator or a supreme being as god they basically just put themselves in the seat of god and say i determine that there is no one higher than i and it's it's still very much a religion and faith based um, relationship, but it's it's yeah. one with themselves. They always find some cause, right? Yeah. Even the atheists or the agnostics still find some kind of cause mm-hmm. and lives their life for that cause, whether it's environmentalism or fair trade markets or you know what I mean. There's mm-hmm. always these things that they hop on, and that's what you see on their social media feed. So this idea of religion is everywhere. Someone, everyone's living their life for something. And if that's their God, then there's certain things they do to relate to that God, to please that God. And this is where you can get precept involved. And it's quite yeah, helpful. And that's Romans one. Everyone knows mm-hmm. God and is trying to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, I even thought it was funny, even as I was reading it, because I'm like, even as a Christian, you find yourself practicing these things. I'm like sitting here reading it and thinking all the things that I put as my religion before God, even though I'm a Christian, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So what, what are the origins of religion? Most people would try to say, that it comes from like social constructs or yeah there's like a naturalistic view things like that and i think that's kind of how he breaks it down basically it's there's a naturalistic view which is what you were talking about yeah but it's like what happens when 
a person either starts a religion or a cult or a sect of mm-hmm. something that goes completely against the social norm. So it can't you can't just say this is a social construct. Like it comes from within us this desire to please God in whatever way that is. It comes from within not. Yeah, and that's how he would define like a naturalistic view is basically someone who would state that religion developed out of a social construct where they were uh, a people group were worshiping like objects like yeah. st- uh, stones sticks bones whatever or the deceased spirits of their ancestors or whatnot yeah. but it developed over time and now that's why we have some type of religion based around their traditions and then the view which he holds to and teaches would be the scriptural view of the origin of religion. That the only way that we can be enlightened of his existence is because he allows it, that he has brought that explanation to us and has acquainted us with that. And that's an important distinction to make because I, I don't even know that a lot of Christians would necessarily agree with that nominal Christians who would state that religion is somewhat man-made. And how many times have we seen those dumb memes on Facebook of people who say, like, I don't believe in religion, I believe in a relationship. (laughs) You know? But he literally says, religion is about how you relate to God. Yeah. So it's like, you can't separate it. Yeah. But that's what a lot of Christians think, that the term religion is just like a dirty... Yeah. A dirty word. You can get convoluted in your thoughts... And so they just they want to try to make it more simplistic to them instead of having to dig deeper and actually uh, delve into this and, and actually come up on the lighter side. Well, and if they call themselves religious, then they feel like they prop- they have to be in church. But if you're just spiritual, you don't have to be in church. So there's like really yep. no accountability there. You know, yeah, that's my relationship true. can happen on my terms. Well, and their idea is always based on their idea of what a relationship entails. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which which God, we spoke on just uh, just momentarily. Yeah. The idea of religion naturally leads us on to that of revelation. While many attempts have been made to explain religion apart from revelation, the conviction is now growing that all religion originates in revelation yeah if you if you look at the major world religions and there's always some sort of event or some sort of revelation from deity or somebody becoming deity there's something or an angel yeah there's something that's happened that kind of started the religion or propelled followers a prophecy yeah something some some person at some time heard something from someone they all <laughs> right <laughs> it's usually very detailed <laughs> <laughs> or they got some sort of revelation in their own mind you know what i mean that mm-hmm. that they have now been enlightened and so they have this special message that everyone needs yeah or, i mean that's like basically atheism <laughs> right so it's just like joseph smith when he received the golden tablets pages from the angel exactly and muhammad when an angel gave him the quran yep. so yeah i think that's what burkhoff's getting at is that it's kind of a general consensus that there is some sort of revelation that happens to all religious belief mm-hmm. yeah and he, he actually he gave this 
quote is I really like. Yeah. Moreover, since man cannot of himself discover God and know him, it was necessary that God should reveal himself. Oh. Without such a self-revelation on the part of God, it would be utterly impossible for man to enter into religious relationship to him. God yeah. did reveal himself and in his self-revelation determined the worship and service that is well-pleasing to him. I just really like that. I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's just great because we need him, one, to reveal himself to us, but then also he's going to tell us what is well-pleasing. That quote was really awesome, Sandra. So to summarize the entire um, first bit of this introduction here, first part of religion, he summarizes the whole thing with this quote. In virtue of his natural endowments, man seeks communication with God, though by nature he now seeks it in the wrong way. So Sandra kind of touched on this earlier yeah. Um, when she was talking about like idolatry and stuff. Yeah, and this is a way that we see religion being built into humanity because we're made in the image of God. We're made to worship God. We're made worshipers. Mm-hmm. And... We take everything in this world and we can create an idol from it and we can make it God. Um, John Calvin was the one that came up with that quote that our hearts are idol factories. And I've heard pastors make the analogy how every idol we create in this life, whether it's family or our job or it's materialism, Mm -hmm. that... We have a sanctuary where we go and worship this God of ours, and there are things in our life that we sacrifice for this God, Mm -hmm. and we put this God above everything else in our life. And so, you see people's priorities rearranged around this God that's in their life, Mm -hmm. whether they know it or not, Mm -hmm. they're built this way. We're built this way, and we see it everywhere. Yeah, we must worship something. And we just don't worship what we ought to worship, which yeah. is God. And instead, we find something that satisfies us, even if it's just temporarily, and we worship that said thing. And I can remember Driscoll, which, you know, Driscoll, but he, <laughs> he made some good points. And he, when he was talking about how we take good things, good gifts from God, and we make them God things, we turn them into God, and we yeah. try and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator God. Mm-hmm. That always stuck with me because I feel like we can do that so easily as parents by like worshiping our children or yeah. our families and prioritizing things above God. And we could get into a whole host of ways in which our family becomes idolatry mm-hmm. and we worship and serve our family. And then church is just kind of something that we do on the side when it's convenient or what have you. But yeah. It's just another one of those evidences of religion being a universal aspect of humankind. Mm -hmm. So, I think that about wraps it up before we head off into the topic of Revelation. Yeah. So, the first three episodes of this little series of ours are going to be shorter because the topic itself is a little bit more dense. So, we thought we'd make it, what do we say, bite-sized Burkhoff? That's right, bite-sized Burkhoff. So, we're going to do bite-sized Burkhoff. This is not going to be 50 minutes of Burkhoff. Which, let's be honest, this is how you need to digest Burkhoff. Very true. Bite-sized. Tis the season for bite-sized Burkhoff. <laughs> All right. You yeah. guys good? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you guys for journeying with us with Burkhoff on this. I hope you tune in next week as we 
pick up the next topic. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above.